Transitioning into a leadership role, whether you're being promoted or striking out on your own in a startup or other entrepreneurial venture, can initially feel just great. But it doesn't take long for reality to sink in and to realize that it's not as easy as it looks. If that's been your experience, you're going to love today's guest because he has some proven tips to help you excel in your new role. Stay tuned. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, the weekly podcast for smart executives, managers, and entrepreneurs looking to improve business performance and their bottom line. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and today I'm excited to welcome Bill Treasurer to the show. Bill is the founder of Giant Leap Consulting, where he's worked with thousands of leaders in the U.S. and beyond, including NASA, eBay, Lenovo, and Saks Fifth Avenue. Bill is also the author of Leadership Two Words at a Time, Simple Truths for Leading Complicated People, in which he provides actionable and relevant advice to today's emerging leaders. I'm sure we could all benefit from some of that advice, so welcome to Business Confidential Now, Bill. Anna, it's my pleasure to be with you on Business Confidential Now, and I'm looking forward to our time together. Me too, because transitioning into leadership is something so many people aspire to, right? It's the brass ring. There's usually higher pay and benefits as well as more positional power, status. And so I'm curious, in your experience, what's the biggest surprise emerging leaders encounter when they're transitioning into leadership? It's definitely a noticeable transition. There's this moment before you get into a leadership role where you're aspiring, you're climbing, you're trying to do the next right thing. So maybe you get noticed and then that happens. Some people above you, probably a boss says, you know what, that person, they give us a great output. They're really productive. They're really conscientious. Let's move them into a leadership role. And then you get into the leadership role and you start to realize, wow, this is not what I thought it was going to be. There is this moment where the honeymoon's over. It doesn't happen right away, but it's going to happen probably in the first three to six months where you get the reality that it's a lot harder than you thought. And one of the things that makes it so hard is, okay, I know what I was doing operationally. I have the technical proficiency. It's one of the reasons you moved me in here is my subject matter expertise. But you didn't tell me I was going to have to be a psychiatrist and then I was going to have to deal with all sorts of these petty idiosyncrasies on a daily basis. And so part of it is that we get frustrated with the reality of what I signed up for and what I actually have to do now are two different things. Well, you call them petty idiosyncrasies, but if those are stumbling blocks and speed bumps, then it sounds like they're more than petty. They're pretty important. Well, they are. So what happens is a lot of times we move into that role as a leader because we were operationally really good at something and we had a lot of productivity by ourselves. And so as an individual contributor, we get noticed. But once we move into a leadership role, it's no longer about our own contribution. It's no longer about us. In fact, the first rule of leadership, I would say, is that it's not about you. It's about the people that you're leading. And how I get the most out of the people that are leading is not just operational and technical proficiency. It is about motivation. It is about creating psychological safety. It is about my treatment of them so that they are loyal and that they want to do the work. It is making sure I give people individual attention. And these kind of things 
they don't tell leaders as they're moving into a leadership role because nobody hands them a playbook. We're sort of left to flounder. Eventually, maybe we get some mentoring along the way. Maybe if you're really lucky, your company has a leadership development program, but most people have to sort of grope their way through the process. Well, groping is not something leaders should do, especially not in this day and age. You know that, Rich. <laughs> so <laughs> let's not go there, Bill. <laughs> I understand what you're saying about, oh my God, how do I get people to move the ball? I mean, I know how to do it. Like you said, that's why I got promoted. I was damn good at it. But right. now I'm a herding cats in a way, and that's not yeah. the easiest thing. So... I understand that there's not that much guidance necessarily. And I think somewhere I saw it, it might be in the materials you sent me, that 83% of organizations say it's important to develop leaders, but only 5% have any plans to do so. Why do you think that is? I think for a lot of companies, it's just simply dollars and cents is that they would like to devote their financial resources to other things, even though you and I know developing your people is a supremely important thing. That said, if your company doesn't provide leadership development, don't resign yourself to that, right? Like you still have an obligation to yourself. You should want to invest in yourself. If nothing else, the cheapest thing you could do is find a leader that you admire and go and sit down with them over lunch or breakfast and pepper them with questions. Ask them for their guidance. Most people are flattered when you do that. So if your company doesn't provide leadership development, don't use that as an excuse for poor leadership that you should be investing in yourself in whatever ways that you can. Well, that's good advice. I mean, so let's say I'm transitioning into leadership and I kind of hit this fog that you're talking about. It's like, oh my gosh, people are coming to me. They have these issues. You know, really, I got to deal with this. This isn't substantive. This is not the area of expertise. There's this other stuff. So there are leaders that I admire. So let's say I'm lucky enough to be able to get a meetup. What should I be asking them? One of the first questions I would ask, tell me about your own leadership journey. Think back to when you started in a leadership role and shifted from an individual contributor to now being responsible for a team of people. What was the transition like for you? What did you get wrong that you kind of wish you could do a do-over and do it differently? What guidance would you give me knowing that I'm facing that same transition now? What should I be aware of as I go through my own leadership journey that you would think are essential to being successful in a leadership role? So some sort of like basic questions. And also I would get that person's point of view. What does it even mean to be a leader? How do they define leader? What do they see as, again, sort of the essentials of being a leader? One of the things that I try to talk about in the book is that to be fit to lead, that it comes down to leadership fitness. And that you've got to have, cover three bases. And you could ask that mentor in these three different areas. The first is you've got to lead yourself. You've got to be somebody who is disciplined, who manages time well, knows how to prioritize, who is self-evaluative, who is clear about what their strengths are and the overuse of their strengths. So you've got to lead yourself. That's one area. The second area is you've got to lead people. And that's different than leading yourself. It is about making individual time. It is about setting goals with them and making sure they're stretching to an elevated level of performance. It is about your treatment of them and creating a healthy work environment. So leading people, that's the second area. And then the third area is you've got to get work done leading work. You've got to get results. 
And that means being aware of the schedule, being aware of the budget, being aware of all the levers of business that make or lose money. And so that gives us leadership fitness. If we are attending to, am I leading myself? Am I leading others? Am I leading work? And I would ask questions for that mentor around those three areas of leadership fitness. Of those three areas, where do you think people fall down the most? It's a good question, Hannah. I think it's probably, I see two realms. One is that some people fixate on results so much that that's their preoccupation. All they know is personal productivity, or I've got to get that deadline done. I've got to bring in that project in stellar form. I'm going to be the bulldozer. And if you're not part of the bulldozer, you're part of the pavement. So I'm fixated only. My preoccupation is results. Now, leaders are judged based on do they get results. So I understand the fixation. But for that particular person, they don't spend enough time bringing people along with them. So they cause a lot of human wreckage. And eventually, it'll take a toll. And eventually, that leader won't be successful because they don't bring people with them. They have to eventually maybe even the mistreatment of people in order to get that result that they're so fixated on. On the other hand, that's like one group of people. The other sort of neglected part is the self-evaluation. A lot of leaders are just like a lot of human beings. Don't know thyself. It's the first chapter in my book. Everything comes down to a two-word header in my book because leadership two words at a time. And know thyself. And a lot of leaders are oblivious to themselves. And if you don't know who you are, don't know your own motivations for even wanting to be in a leadership role, don't know what your strengths are, and don't know what your shadow is, the overuse of your strengths, then why would you be in any position to lead other people? Because you don't even know yourself. So I think it's either one or the other, that we get fixated on results to the mistreatment of people, or we're just an oblivious human being, not knowing our own motives and knowing our strengths and limitations, and that gets in the way of our leadership too. That's very interesting. One of the things you mentioned before about that someone could ask a leader that they admire is what they think leadership is. So let me ask you, because I know you've made the transition, what does leadership mean to you? A couple of things. The most simple definition of leadership is someone with followers. Now, I don't want to suggest that you have to have direct reports to be followers, because although that is a simple definition of leadership, the most common word in all the definitions of leadership that you'll come across is the word influence. Are you bringing your own personal agency into a situation to be a source, a positive force, a positive influence on others, on results, on the work getting done? So are you using your influence? And that doesn't mean that it's under your direct control or your direct command. Sometimes your influence is that you have the ear of the person who makes the decisions, or they solicit your input, and you're able to influence how the decision that they make or the action that they take. So I think influence is really important to leadership. The other, and it's kind of more, maybe a simpler way of looking at leadership, I think there's a gap with pretty much every human being between the person that we are and the person that we are aspiring to be. And I think a leader is our most noble self. It's our better self that we're trying to bring into the world so we can make a positive difference. And on any given day, I think leaders are conscious of that gap about who they're trying to be in the world and are aspiring to be the best that they can be so they draw out the best in others. So personal agency, influence, aspiring to be your best, a forward look to the future, trying to make things better in the world. 
trying to make a positive difference. I think those things and getting results through yourself, but through other people too, and bringing people along with you so that they feel part of something bigger than themselves and they feel a sense of purpose in the work that they're doing. Those would be some of the things that I would include in leadership. Those are all excellent points. And it sounds like leadership just is a really tall order, not just for the items that you just mentioned, but what we mentioned a second ago about being fit to lead, really knowing yourself. And it sounds like that gap, some people fall into the gap with the imposter syndrome and being able to lead people, making that connection and still being aware of the need for results, but without micromanaging those results. So that just seems like so overwhelming. When somebody's huh. transitioning into that leadership role, how do they keep from getting overwhelmed? So it's a, such a central and important question. To frame it, I'll tell you that I was working with a group of people one time in a Chicago-based company that I work with. It's a $6 billion company. And the CEO of the company was in front of this group of about 30 leaders, high potential, on their way, new leaders. And one person in the room asked him, they said, what is something that we may not appreciate about leadership, but you know, because of your position and as the owner of the company? And he was quiet for a second. And he said, that leadership is a burden. That's what he said, that leadership is a heavy responsibility. When he looks out at the parking lot, and sees the cars there, he realizes that he's paying for kids' educations and their colleges and the car payments themselves. And feeding people's dinner tables and such. And he feels a personal obligation and responsibility to that. You and I just talked about all the things that we want of a leader and the transition and how difficult it is. And we want leaders to be strategic and tactical and inclusive and emotionally intelligent and regular intelligence. And it can be really overwhelming, to your point. This is part of the reason that I wrote Leadership Two Words at a Time, because I think if you get past the clutter, don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed by all the things that we expect of leaders and all the obligations that it can weigh you down. My suggestion is take leadership two words at a time. Whatever the next two words are that are right in front of you so that you can do the next right thing. So sometimes you're having to gain composure. That might be two words that are right in front of you. I had one leader one time that he was working on calm confidence. I had a leader who was out of balance that started working on personal fidelity. What are the two words right in front of you right now? Self-care is something you might need to work on. So break down leadership. Instead of thinking the large, gigantic volume of everything you've got to do as a leader, think about what is the next right thing right in front of me. And if I could just clarify it in two words, and that, of course, that's what my book does with every chapter, but you could do it yourself. Any leader could do it themselves. What are the two words that I should really focus on right this moment? Right this moment. So what are your favorite two words? One of the two word chapters in the book that I haven't ever written about before, but I felt was so, so important is cultivate composure. And that is, how do you start your day? Do you just like jump right into all the interruptions on the way to work? Are you listening to angertainment on the radio? Do you jump right into the first meeting and go on to the next one without any time in between? Are you just sort of caught up in this whirlwind treadmill? Or do you ease your way into your day? How do you start your day? I suggest starting with just five moments of silence, actual silence. 
And I love Benjamin Franklin's two questions. The first question in the beginning of the day, what good shall I do in the world today? Think about that in the morning before you go to work. And at the end of the day, when you're hitting the bed, say, what good have I done in the world today? Bookend your day with the Benjamin Franklin question. That's one of the chapters, Cultivate Composure. And another one that I think is important is practice humility. Practice humility. We want confidence in a leader, but we don't want conceit and we don't want arrogance. We want to make sure that that confidence is grounded and anchored to and centered on humility, that that leader hasn't lost sight of their roots, that they can look at me in the eye, and more than anything, that they will value my contribution so they will actually listen to me and solicit my ideas. It's a demonstration of humility, just listening, right? So those are just a couple of the two-word concepts that to me mean a lot. Cultivate composure, ease your way into your day, and practice humility by the treatment that you give other people, mostly through your full presence and attention and listening. Listening is so important. It's probably one of the highest compliments that you can give someone to like give them your full attention to try and understand and learn where they're coming from. Not just listen for the purpose of how can I interrupt now and tell them they're wrong. Mm, Right. And you bring up such a great point. It's such a simple way of valuing somebody. It doesn't cost you anything. It takes your attention. But you give somebody your full presence, you're communicating to them that I value you and what you have to say. And when that person feels valued, they know that you care about them. And then they'll be a lot more loyal to you. Absolutely. The thing is, people are so rushed for time. Now, I'd like to come back to something that we talked about very early in our conversation, and that is about budgets. We focused most of this about what individuals can do when they're faced with transitioning into leadership and how they can grab the bull by the horns and do their own leadership development. Maybe a little ad hoc, but still, how can they improve and fill those big shoes that they've been given? But what about the organizations that may be small, but say, I know I understand the importance of leadership development. I'm an entrepreneur. I need to be developing my people. So to free up more of my time to be able to expand the business, I need to start developing more of that middle layer. How can I take steps to develop their leadership skills that could be budget-friendly? Small steps. Granted, I may not address everything across the board, but where can I start? Yeah. Very good question, right? Because Most businesses in the United States and probably in the world are small businesses. Not everybody can afford a full-on leadership development program. So starting small, and there's a couple of ways that you could do that. First, you could start a little book club. You could start a book club in your office. Let's imagine you've got, say, 10 people in your office. Get a leadership book. If you can buy a copy for everybody, all the better. Everybody reads the book, and then we process the book together and answer questions. What did we like? What resonated? What takeaways did we get, et cetera? Simple thing we could do. Another thing that we could do is simply a lunch and learn. So we could gather around the table at lunch, and one of us could give a brief presentation, 15, 20 minutes about some central topic that's important to them that connects to leadership, and then all of us dialogue about it. It doesn't have to be on PowerPoint. It could just simply be an index card with bullet points that you have of notes that you'd like to share with them, and then rotate that. So next week, somebody else does it. So a little lunch and learn. 
And the third thing you could do is, as a business owner, you don't have to be the hero. You don't have to be the one bringing the sunshine all the time. If you've got somebody that you're connected to in your neighborhood, in your locality, a friend of yours in the business community who has a different take on leadership, and invite them to come in and meet with your group for 45 minutes to have sort of a special guest star from the local community come in. These things are all inexpensive. At the very least, Hannah, the simplest thing you could do is have a conversation with your team, maybe buy a flip chart from your local Staples or Office Depot, a flip chart and say, what does leadership mean to you? When you hear the word leadership, what does it mean to all of you? They start brainstorming about the idea of leadership and what do you think we should do to build our leadership around here and get their involvement? So there's all sorts of inexpensive, you know, the only thing that we talked about there that would cost money is maybe a flip chart or maybe a, buying a book. But besides that, you could do a lot of things for no money at all. That's great advice, Bill. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for all of this information that you've shared and the important work you do in helping organizations with their leadership development needs, because it happens on all different levels. And as you said, it is attainable even for the smallest organization. And what I really liked about these tips that you focused on that were budget friendly is not only do the employees learn about leadership and have an opportunity to share their perspective, but it gives the entrepreneur and the manager or executive a chance to develop their leadership more by discovering what's important to their people. So I think that's a plus plus all the way around. So if you're listening and you'd like more information about Bill Treasurer or his book, Leadership Two Words at a Time, Simple Truths for Leading Complicated People, that information as well as a transcript of this interview can be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends about the show, leave a positive review. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Business Confidential Now. So until then, have a great day and an even better tomorrow.